Welcome to the Fair Chase Podcast. It's like, yeah, it's going to be physically it's hard, suck, but, but it's just... also like the best. Later on, that's the story you tell. I got a new strategy. It's, you just go kind of lick your finger a little bit like this. Aim high, play the wind. And then you aim high, you play the wind. It's a new aiming technique that I'm working on. You brought this up. Yeah. It's because you had target panic so bad. Yeah, I didn't have it so bad. Before we jump into this episode, we have to thank a few companies that make this show possible. First up, Vortex Optics. We run their binoculars, spotting scopes, and uh, a lot of their clothes in their Vortex wear line. Quality hoodies. sweaters and hoodies, t-shirts, hats. Yep. Uh, you can save yourself 20% on that stuff. Buy. Ooh, it's a new code. The code TFC20. Check them out. Next up, Trophy Line. Trophy Line. No secret, we are saddle guys. We like to hunt in saddles, make the jokes if you want, but yep. they're super light, super effective, and we're big fans of Trophy Line. This year, we're going to be running the Mission Platform or the EDP Platform, EDP. depending, and uh, running the Covert Light. Yeah. Nice and light saddle. Lots of good adjustability on that. I feel comfortable walking with that thing out in the woods. Go yep. check this thing out. Use the code TFC10 to save yourself 10% on the next purchase. Next up, Prime. The bow that got me to switch back. I think I feel like I got you to switch back. You did, but but I like. But it was it's a big because part. of Prime shootability, shooting your bow. Their accuracy. Uh, we're big fans of Prime. They're Michigan company. Jared's shooting the Nexus Four. I'm shooting the Nexus Two this year. Go check them out. G5Prime.com. Jim and Georgia from Bivouac Bow Co. make some beautiful bows. Everything from three-piece takedowns to one-piece wood bows. Uh, everything's really beautiful. Made in Michigan. Go check them out. BivouacBowCo.com. We uh, we're big GPS map users on our phone. Um, I get tend to get lost a lot, and Jared you do tend to get lost. A lot. Jared can't always be next to me. When you don't have Jared with you, you can have a little Jared in your pocket. Gross. <laughs> That's an awesome platform. We know the guys. They're local here in Grand Rapids. And you can actually download other apps, stand locations, plot locations, whatever pins that you have, you can download them onto the HuntWise platform. So you're not, you can, give you it a try. can just hit the ground. And you're not losing your research. Yeah. So go check this app out, HuntWise.com. You know, I was actually asked this weekend if we weren't partnered with Vector and like I had to shoot a different arrow, would I shoot Vectors? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I said, yes, of course. Yeah. I love them. I shoot extremely accurate with them. I've never broken one. Yeah. And the sweet thing was is you pretty much just tell Isaac and the guys over there your draw length, draw weight, and I think your tip weight. Your tip weight, and they have a – And then you customize the whole thing. And you they can do it right tip, online. cut, and everything. You don't have to mess with the bow shop or anything like that. Check these guys out, VectorCustomShop.com. For 10% off your order at checkout, use TFC10. Good luck out there. Shoot straight. Look at Jared. Yeah. Just m multiples. Like, what am I going to do? Well, yeah. Yeah, but you know what you can do? Sometimes you could just send it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Take one wait. and send it. <laughs> we, used to, we used to do that. If we didn't shoot, we tried making the tradition of if you didn't shoot a turkey with your bow one year, there was a tree out on public land. Or, or you had a or deer, too. Cause we or a deer. deer. You would just spend an arrow at it. Just you, shoot it. Yeah, you, you shoot up into this, this real tall tree. Which was stupid. I know. If you think about it, <laughs> I mean, absolutely we were in the middle stupid. of nowhere, but it still, it was like, I don't know. You do stupid things when you're young. It happens. We weren't even that young. Well, it was not even that long. I've got a buddy of mine. I've got a buddy of mine who hunts a lot of suburban areas and like parks and things like that. And on a lot of those park hunts, you have to go and qualify, right? Well, he's he's this this dude's terrible when it comes to putting paper, putting arrows on paper yeah. or arrows on like targets while people are watching. 
But when a deer's in front of him, he's just a stone cold killer, right? <laughs> yeah. So he would go into these park qualification hunts, uh. and he would he'd go in and get his bow dialed in per, as, as best he could, and then he would take it to one of his buddies who's a professional, and he'd buy the top of the line arrows. I mean, he'd spend. You know, you know what I'm talking about when I say the high end arrows, where yeah. a dozen is in the $300 range, and he'd qualify with those arrows and struggle to do so. Then he would go and shoot a lot of deer, but he would go to Walmart bargain bin or like the, you know, the <laughs> the, <laughs> the Bass Pro, like just go into the bargain bin and get those, you know, budget arrow, arrow, budget arrow. You know, I mean, especially when you're only shooting. 20, 30 yards. Oh yeah. You know, you, you can get away with some of those tolerances, but you know, I, I don't know. I, I know you guys are in the, the, the same like realm that I am when it yeah. comes to actually, you know, your equipment's got to be on point and you've, and, and I know everyone's like that now because they've seen the problems yeah. that arise when all those other little factors become an issue. You know, because they compound themselves. So yeah, I would Absolutely. agree. I, I would say, uh, and we'll get back to introductions in a minute because I want to talk about this. But most of the <laughs> time that I've hunted in my life, until the last maybe eight or seven or eight years, I only used bargain bin stuff. Like most of the deer I've shot in my life, of I think we're this is twenty. Wait, what time? You're twelve. Yeah, this is my twentieth, twenty-first year of hunting. Is that right? I don't know. 16? I No, you, you can know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When when I started bow hunting Math when I was, was 12. Was so tough. that's 20 that's 20. Yeah, so anyways, but like for the first many many years and actually a lot of deer I killed were just I can't say that they were matched arrows that I ever paper tuned. Like I just I didn't know what I didn't have anybody that really knew about paper tuning at the time. And so I just grabbed some arrows, brought them to a shop, they cut them to my length and that was it. Were you accurate with them? I was accurate enough to shoot some Did deer, you kill deer in Michigan. With them. Lots Did of deer. Did you kill deer with them? Yeah. And who cares? Right. I mean, at the same time, the better your stuff gets, I don't know. The, first of all, like, I'm way more confident when I go in. There's no wondering if this yeah, is going to work true. at all. Like, if there's something in range for the most part. Because everyone has that one stray arrow. Yeah. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you're shooting and all of a sudden you just got that one arrow that's just – I don't know. Maybe, maybe the fletching is just a little bit bent or – Sometimes just, my insert you know, is a little bit jacked up in the tip. You just got that one arrow that just gives you grief, and I have one all the time. Do you? Oh, all the time. I bet they're all your different arrows at different times. <laughs> your num- <laughs> Do you do you guys name or number your arrows? Do you? I Heck don't know. If they're I, if they're dirty, I'll use them. I I know <laughs> lots of guys number them based on like what they like, and like there's like a whole thing. I know a lot. Of, do you do that? Like number three got me that. Buck. I name. I actually name my arrows. Do you? I actually give them a name. Well, tell so, tell us an example. You got to give us some names. Okay, so when when I get a when I get a dozen arrows, uh, a brand new dozen, yeah. I'll, I'll give it a theme. For example, I, I might do um, uh, 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 poisonous snakes. So cool. copperhead, rattlesnake, king cobra. Like I'll name each one, and you know. You would be surprised. Sometimes the king cobra is a total dud. You're like, you couldn't kill a rat, you right? Know? But but at least you know those arrows, and it kind of gives them it gives them a personality, right? <laughs> so my brother Josh, he's my brother Josh, and I are real tight, 
and we we do a lot of the same things. Um, he he's a big time hunter too, and he got into naming his arrows uh, deadly diseases and deadly poisons. Ah, yes, the COVID nineteen. You know, and it, it it gives it just gives a little extra edge to your arrow, I guess. But but then it also, I mean, it it's just like numbering them. Sure. It's just less boring. Dude, I'm doing right. rock characters from Rocky. This is Apollo. Yes. See, this I, is Rocky. I like this is Mick. <laughs> this is Polly. Apollo. This is Polly. Oh, easy now, Mr. T. So <laughs> I really like the idea of having like giving them personalities. But do you ever? Do you ever come to the time where it's like, you know what, Copperhead, you're in timeout, all right? Yeah, you, you're, I've retired you're not, an arrow. You're not getting pulled out I just out of retired arrow, an right? arrow for that. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I've definitely retired arrows. In fact, I say you said Copperhead. Mm-hmm. My Copperhead arrow that I retired, I'll never name another arrow Copperhead because it it was in the it was a, at about a dozen deer, and I don't remember exactly. I wrote it on the fletching how many deer that that arrow had killed, but it was at it was just at a dozen. It, it was in the double digits for one arrow. Wow! And for, for one arrow to do that, that's pretty special. I mean, you know, you know, and it was a, it was a, it was the original Eastern Axis arrow. Ah, yes, I had the, each, the green Eastern and Axis. green and white lettering. No, there? I, yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. I think they were green and white. I thought they were white. I thought they were like white, kind of like faded on the ends. But maybe I'm thinking of some. Anyways. Either way, it was it was an Eastern Axis, and then um, you know, then I went to, like I, I transitioned, but it's always been when when I find an arrow or an arrow type that I like, especially one that's super durable that I could just keep putting through deer, I tend to stick to them. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But personality wise, that's but, a, I mean, twelve deer though. I, that's a killing arrow right there. Oh my gosh, that was it was. It was really crazy because I would take that arrow and I'd put it in my number two spot on my quiver. All right. Okay. Dang, and it's ride just, shotgun. He don't even want to drive. Right? He wants you someone know, else like, to drive around. I, I I am I don't think of myself as superstitious or anything like that, but like people that I hunt with, my brothers, my buddies, Taylor and them are like, Yeah, you've got a problem with that yeah. shit because <laughs> I will like I will only when I pull an arrow out of my quiver, it's number two. It's the second arrow. I pull the second arrow every single time. It's just what I do. Man, I like you it. know. You gotta have it's your like thing. when I climb, when I climb a tree, I tuck my I tuck my release into my sleeve when I'm at the base of the tree, and then when I climb up, the very last thing that I do is I pull the release out. It's just. I, I've got a, I've got a ritual. You're getting you know? yourself, you're you know ment- what? I'm, you're getting I'm, mentally right. I'm getting some strong Escanaba in the moonlight vibes right now. Oh, the, when, uh, <laughs> they're superstition. When Renmar starts talking about the shirt he's wearing every opening day since the age of nine. Look, does it keep you warm? No, it no. Is, <laughs> that's a, in my mind that you know. I, I don't know if I'm getting my mind right or if it's just the ritual, the process, or whatever it is, but. You know, it, it's just like a shot process when you're hunting when, when, or when you're shooting targets or hunting or whatever. When you go through the process, if it's the same every single time, you're comfortable. You find the groove and you fill right in that groove. Yeah. And I try to put that same groove into everything I do when it comes to hunting. Yeah, for sure. And you have to be exactly that way. all the way through yep. in uncomfortable situations because I, I, I do hunt a lot in the suburbs mostly what i what i hunt but i also hunt out west for elk 
Uh, I hunt out of state for whitetails. Um, I hunt for sick deer in Maryland. And in fact, we're two day two days from now, we're going to have a big sick deer hunt for their rut. And so cool. that's, you're in the swamps and you know, that's out of my element. Jared you know, swamps. even though I grew up doing that, <laughs> you guys need to do it. It's, it's a blast. Yeah. But I mean, I, I think what I'm trying to say is that no matter how out of your element you are, you have to have those things that put you back into your comfort zone. Yeah. So yep. you're there and you're ready to hunt, ready to shoot. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. I, I definitely agree. Um, no, that's, I mean, that's how you grow. You get into a spot where you may be uncomfortable and you just learn and adapt. And But yeah, maybe if you, something but if you, that you go really back like. to the thing that you always do every time, no exactly. matter where you are, your mind is right. Exactly. Anyways, before we go on, you want to introduce yourself? We've been... We've been talking for a minute. You want to say who you are, what you You've do? You've got a very, uh, unique. very unique style of <laughs> hunting that I'm very interested yeah, I'm, in to hear about. I'm a, I guess I'm, I'm a, a pretty unique dude. Um, my name is Billy Phillips. Um, I was born and raised in the Washington D.C. area uh, in a hunting family. Mm-hmm. Um, primarily, what I do now, uh, outside of my day-to-day work, is I bow hunt a lot in suburban and urban settings in the dc area knocking down the the overpopulation we're ridiculously overpopulated with deer in the dc area so uh, we're hunting year round uh even in the summertime on damage permits uh but then when fall comes around right after the rut a lot of people are still chasing a buck i transition and i still deer hunt but bucks go out of my mind and i start thinking about hawks yeah and i start to as most of us do ridge. at that point yeah of course yeah, of course. yeah, yeah well normal people do this yeah, right sure um I, I go up on the mountains that are close to my house and uh, and i'm a licensed falconer federally licensed falconer and i will go out and i'll trap hawks uh juvenile red tail hawks typically and by the time i trap them i just i i get them to trust me and within three to five or six weeks i take them out and i'm hunting with them for squirrels and rabbits throughout the winter time there's there's so much in the things that you just said that i want to want to ask you about first yeah first off i'm before we die too deep into there you said you're hunting around dc area right yeah Uh, whereabouts i used to i was stationed out there and i was wondering like like on south side of dc was like in like alexandria area or more towards like the city so DC proper there, there is no hunting there. Okay. But believe me, if I, I'm trying to work with, um, the certain local municipalities mm-hmm. to be able to, uh, start working and uh, removing deer there. Cause right now they just do sharpshooters. So it's outside. It's either in Maryland or in Virginia. Okay. So Alexandria. Yes. Arlington. Yes. You know, Montgomery County, PG County, anywhere in there, uh, close to the city where you have a really big concentration of, of homes mm. and the 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 uh, the stream beds that feed into the Potomac, all those watersheds and all those tributaries, you can't build in those. So you've got these buffers in between neighborhoods and homes where you can't build homes and you've got tons of deer. Yeah. And oh, yeah. It's similar to you name the you name the municipality now especially on the east coast whether it's the hamptons whether it's long island dude new jersey where i used to live in new jersey there were bucks 
You wouldn't even believe the size of the bucks that lived in my neighborhood. They would just can bed you, in bushes right outside a house. They're everywhere. It's can you ridiculous. Hunt, can you hunt whitetail within those municipalities? I couldn't. But it's like as common as you would see, almost as common as like seeing a squirrel out in a neighborhood. Like there were deer just in people's yards hmm. all, turn, all during the day everywhere. Yeah. And and you're that's exactly the way that it is in these areas too. And, and you make up, you bring up a good point. Is it, allowed are you allowed to hunt these areas there's a lot of municipalities that you can't hunt in those but in the dc area it's such a problem whether it's from vehicular traffic and and accidents to tens of millions of dollars of landscaping damage and 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 the people on the east coast go hard at landscaping like oh, some yeah. of those cities I, I, are I'm nice. in landscaping. That's my main uh that's my main profession. Uh, I have a family business called Custom Lawn Service. We do mostly government contracts in DC, but if you go right outside of DC at all these homes, I mean most of the people who are living real close to these homes are fairly affluent. Yeah. They have nice homes, they have nice yards and they want to keep them that way. And when you move into a home and in an affluent community and you want to keep up with the Joneses and you put Fifty to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars into your landscaping, yeah. And the deer come in and ruin it. You you tend to hate them after that. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that. So you, there's like, no warranty on deer on deer damage, right? So you're calling so, the municipality, and you're saying, hey, you know, is there hunting in X area? And but yes, then you go in and then you start just knocking on doors. Absolutely, hundred percent. So. The, the first thing, obviously, is the legal aspect. Can you hunt there? Yeah. You know, whether it's do you, do you, are there any boundaries? Um, are there any? Um, I don't know. Are you allowed to discharge a firearm? Which we don't hunt with firearms. It's all bows and archery equipment. From what I what I uh, hunt with in these suburban areas, but can you even discharge a a bow or a crossbow or something like that mm-hmm. within X feet of a house? Like there are a sure. lot of localities that say you can't do that at all um it's funny though once some of the folks who who are are on the boards and and they're in whether they're hoas or or whether they're in you know a a leadership position within those municipalities when they start having deer damage they kind of change their tune a little sure. bit yeah, <laughs> yeah, they do. so they say well maybe we can maybe we and and, and you know so so once i established that it is legal then I start, before I start knocking on doors, I figure out where the deer are, number one. Yeah. I just drive neighborhoods. So drive you just look. You just drive around and watch for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I find which neighborhoods have the deer populations, and it's easy to do. I mean, and you go in the morning, go in the evening, you're going to find where they are. And then from there, I start looking at where the big chunks of timber are and where the bigger properties are. It's the, the biggest challenge that I have is when I find a property like that or I find a neighborhood like that, but all the lots are quarter acre or half acre right. lots. Well, then I need to get 15 or 20 or 30 permissions. Yeah. So so then it's more work for me. So I, I need to go then to the HOA and convince people in the HOA board Yikes. to then convince their neighborhood. Yeah. It's a lot easier when I can find a property that I can hunt. And then I can branch out from there. And if they're in an HOA, excuse me, which they usually are, I can show my success and then say, hey, look at the success I've had on your property. Start talking to your neighbors. Start talking to your HOA. 
and then I can expand from there. That that's the way that I've done it for the past you know fifteen years or so. Interesting. So you're you're doing a, process. a, a I service like for them I like a, in some way. What, right. I'm sorry. Say this, that again. this is a service that you're basically providing for them in some way. <laughs> well, it's mutually yeah. beneficial. I'll yeah. say that. Right. I mean, because look, I get to go and hunt whenever I want. But yeah. at the same time, I, I'm helping you out. Yeah. yeah. Can, can you put a price tag on that? I mean, if that's true happiness right there. In this country, how many people in this country could can say, I have an unlimited number of properties that I can hunt within 10 or 15 minutes of my house. And I have unlimited number of deer tags. Now, not buck tags, but antlerless tags year round. Yeah. I, there, I mean, so That's many incredible. people would want to jump on that opportunity. And, and I, I hate to say it, but I, look, I'm, we're putting it out right now. I'm putting this out right now, not only because I want to share what, what I'm doing, because I think it's pretty unique, but also because we really need help. Yeah. We really need help in these areas and these municipalities. I mean, you look at Minneapolis. Minneapolis is another one that's it's it's overrun right now. People are like, whoa, Minnesota, there's a huge deer population. I'm sorry, a huge deer hunting yeah. community in, in, in Minnesota. Yeah, there is. But go to the Twin Cities outside of those. And right outside of those, there aren't a lot of bow hunters that are taking those deer out. Yeah. Um, Pennsylvania is another great example. Go to public land in Pennsylvania and you hear a lot of the complaints from folks who live in Pennsylvania. They're like state game lands. Yeah, there's a fairly decent number of deer there. But when they have antler restrictions and things like that, you know, it's, it seems like the wildlife biologists in those areas in the past, not now, they're, they're really changing lately. But in the past, they've looked at those public lands as opposed to looking at some of those suburban areas where you've got a ridiculous number of deer and it's almost like you need different laws and different game regulations for those two areas rural versus suburban they're starting to do that even on the east side of the state with an extended month of hunting Mm -hmm. i know in ann isn't it ann arbor where they always are sterilizing the deer they like catch they like trank them and then they sterilize them which is kind of weird and that's how they kill them you know that's that's a huge challenge. So a lot of those sterilization programs or the, or the ones where there's, there's like a contraceptive, uh, some of them, you have to do it multiple times to a deer. So what are you going to do? Go ear tag a deer it's ridiculous. and then go catch it again. Uh, you can, you, you know, just sell more tags and make money instead of spend money. Yeah. And, and people are willing to do it for free. Right. They, they talk about trapping deer. Number one, you relocating deer the mortality rate on a deer that you relocate is in the realm. The last time I talked to a biologist in the state of Virginia, um, it was around 40 to 50% on a relocation. I can Second, it. no one wants your deer. No one wants a new deer introduced, especially with different diseases. Jared, does. Jared wants it. <laughs> I'll take them. I'm not talking about I'm raising my hand. Yeah, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, and, then, and then you're looking at upwards of, and this was – probably 10 years ago, $1,000 a deer for removal when it comes to professionally done. But if you can get volunteer public bow hunters to come in and do it for free, not only for free, but they're actually paying the the state and they're paying federal because there is tax dollars and and there's tags are coming in. It's, it's a win-win and you know, they, people want to do it. There's so many hunters out there who want to do it and they've, and there have, there have been so many studies that have shown that bow hunting 
is extremely effective yeah. in reducing deer numbers as long as you can concentrate it in the appropriate way. And the, you know, one of the arguments against bow hunting you always hear is, well, you're just going to wound a deer and it's going to run off with an arrow. You know, which is a very, um, very prominent possibility that that could happen. It, you know, and, and if you if you hit them with a car, it can run off with a piece of a fender stuck into it right. as it runs off in someone's yard. They're just looking and, at it as, as a liability aspect. Like if a deer runs into somebody's well, yard and there's an arrow in it, that, and then cares? little kids come and touch it. That's a you free know what I mean? meal right there. There's I'm, always that what-if scenario right? that, that people are trying to play. And, that, I mean, you, you got to take it into effect, but at the same time, it's like, come on. The likelihood of that well, actually happening, maybe, yeah, but if more you or put less. The real, if you put the real numbers to it, um, it makes a lot more sense. Right. There was a study in Minnesota done uh, 15 years ago-ish where – there was a, it was a bow hunting only study and they had an 85 plus percent recovery rate on every deer that was shot. Okay. Right. That's a pretty good rate. It was that, right? it was that, where, 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 where was this again? You said it was in Minnesota. Was it and in it was, rural was, or suburban? Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure about that. My point being like, you know how many deer die in a swamp that you just can't get to? It's probably a lot easier to find them in a neighborhood right yeah yeah a hundred percent you know and that study was also done there was zero qualifications for the bow hunters like zero there was no shooting test there was no proficiency test whatsoever right so then let's take it to the next level where in this in this area in the dc area you have fort belvoir you have quantico you have the fairfax county parks you have the prince william county parks all these different programs who have structured themselves to they bring in bow hunters they have to qualify with their hunting equipment so that's broad you've done that i did it it wasn't like a paper play that quantico yeah yeah so typically it's you know you put two or three arrows within a six inch circle at Mm -hmm. both 20 and 30 yards 30 yards you were just dropping bombs there jared it's from an (laughs) elevated position too we had to walk up True story. What about if I had a trad bow? I don't know that I'm, you know. No dice, man. I'm out. You're out. You know, well, yeah, trad bow. I mean, look, I mean, me personally, you give me a broadside of a barn with a a trad bow, and I may be able to hit it, you know. But (laughs) some of these guys, you know, using crossbows and things, I mean, they're, I mean, if you can't shoot a six inch pie plate at 30 yards with a crossbow, you're blind. Yeah. Right. it, It does all the work for you. 100%. 100%. But but either way, I mean, the, these, the, the opportunities in these suburban areas, no matter where you live in the country, you can find suburban areas to hunt mm. in this country without a doubt. And you can find people who hate having their azaleas chewed up from the deer. We haven't tried this yet. I kind of did where I lived. I had like three acres, and everybody around me had three acres, and I had deer in there. Yeah, but you literally had somebody call you and ask you to not shoot to one not specific shoot deer, the specific deer that they liked. Yeah, just one to of their them. backyard, just my neighbor, and you and know what? Visiting them, she had grown an attachment to this one. And I watched out. It was I a pet. Shot. It was I, like her I didn't, pet. I didn't shoot it. Uh, she liked that one, so. I say you just shoot it I'm and drop neighbor, it right man. in your backyard. What, was it one of these? If it had antlers, there would have been no agreement. I'll say that. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. I, you, might, I'm only a man. That might be one of the times I'd be like, yeah, I want this deer to die right in there. Wow. Head. Spiteful neighbor. Not spiteful. Just be like, you know what? Welcome to the jungle. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever read uh, My Side of the Mountain, Billy? That's what got me into falconry. Okay. Because, uh, I don't know, 10-year-old me thinking about the prospect of catching young uh, yes. hawks. and I think he actually had a falcon. We need to dive into this. And uh, this would be blue my- – this is what I wanted as a kid. Yeah. Like, so, and you're living out like every a Jimmy dream. Every boy's dream, like to have a, a you put your hand out, hawk lands on it. You know. So how'd you get into it? Yeah, I I read that book and I immediately I was enthralled. I called the Maryland Department of or DNR, yeah, and called him and I said I'd like to purchase a peregrine falcon. Well, yeah, <laughs> as anybody would. Just, How old were you? Take my money. I, I think I was about 10 or okay. 12. Maybe. Which is, that's a reasonable thing. It's a great place to start for a kid that yeah. age. Like, you know, good, I'm like, hey, I, at least I'm going that route and not just going and grabbing one out of the wild, right? Or like one in the back alley. Like, mm-hmm. meet somebody, you yeah. know. Yeah. And, and Here's so I, I called kid. him and the, the lady just basically, she's like, pump the brakes, buddy. She's like, first of all, you need to be, I think it was 14 at the time. And, I said, well, I'm 15. Yeah, I'm, I'm 15. Right? Yep. Yep, I'm and and she's, she's like, all right, well, first of all, peregrine falcons are endangered. But you know what? Let's just go down the road and I'll, I'll send you the falconry packet. And and I went through and I read the packet and I, I did some research and I, I went to the library and pissed my parents off because I got every single book on raptors that I could, all these reference books. And I had them for like two months. And my mom got this like thousand dollar bill from yep. the library saying, "You better return these, or you're getting charged." And you're she's like, "In the library right, jail, let yeah. You know, <laughs> I almost got my library card revoked. I don't even have to have Those anymore. don't come back. Yeah, you're on a list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so then once I did the research, um, I, I found out that there's a major time commitment, and it's not just like a shotgun where you clean it when you're done. You put it away in the closet, and then when you want to go back out and hunt again, you pull it out. It's a daily commitment. There's you have to have indoor and outdoor facilities for these animals. Like it's a it's a major deal. They just don't want anyone to just fly by night and just go do it. Right. So I, I knew that when I I was I was competitively wrestling even at a young age, and I did through college, and and I knew that it wasn't going to be something that I could really devote the time to. So. Once I got married, kids, things started to settle down. I got a place that I, I could have the facilities. It was a no-brainer. Right. You know, in fact, we were we were in a townhouse right after we got married, and I just knew I'm like that next house has got it must have a way for me to have facilities. You know, I, I I kept that going all along, and after that, I just you know it's like anything else in your life that you want, you go and do. Yeah, you know, and and that's what it was. I, I knew I wanted it, and I just went and did it. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that approach. Like you decided this is your thing, and you went out and made it happen. And how long? So this was a dream. How long was bef- between that phone call and that form, and till you got your first raptor? Oh shit! Well, I mean, twenty years. Twenty years of a dream, just kind of simmering. Creeping. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I knew it was going to happen, but you know, I mean, I was a kid then. 
Wait, and are we calling hawks raptors now? No, raptors replies to many, not just hawks, but all the predator birds, which is I intentionally used it because I didn't know if he had falcons or just ra- red-tailed didn't hawks. Didn't know if we're going to like some slang now, like, oh, yeah, I got my first raptor. No, raptor is a <laughs> more technical term for like the predatory bird. I can, I, am yes. I correct in that? Absolutely, absolutely. And I, you know, I just wanted you to go even, even deeper, it'd be birds of prey, which would include like vultures and Turkeys. secretary birds and all that stuff but i mean let's not a turkey <laughs> let's not be too technical here. yeah yeah but yeah but but yeah you're you're absolutely right with raptors it's either falcons or hawks or and sometimes eagles or what people are are hunting with um and Badass. I, I i primarily hunt with uh, a red-tailed hawk um i do i do play a little bit with falcon with falcons i've got a a buddy of mine who's he's an elderly gentleman and he has a falcon that, you know, it seems like every time when the season comes around, he's like, oh, I'm a little too sick to handle my bird. I, do you mind watching it for, for a month or so? So I'm like, <laughs> sure, why not? You know, so yeah. I go and fly this. And, and and she's a she's a jeer falcon. So she's the largest falcon in the world. And she's the stunning absolutely stunning bird I, I call her lady jane she's just a, she's a pretty pretty bird but it, then you know after a couple of weeks to get the flyer i i use the drone and I, i'll put the drone up in the sky with it with her lure on it she'll fly up to the drone and then sweet. i'll release pigeons for her. and i haven't actually hunted with her yet sweet. but it, it's she's fun like that's kind of like that's kind of fun for me, but she's not my bird. So I always have to give her back and I don't have to, I don't get a full season of training with her. Right. But my real passion is when I get a hawk, like a red tail, I trap one, whether it's off the side of a road or on the side of a mountain. And you trap this bird who's coming in for a free meal because it sees like a pigeon or a gerbil or something that's they, they think it's incapacitated or injured or something like that, which it's not totally safe, but they just think it is. And then you trap them and then you go over to this bird, this hawk, and it has these freaking talons that are, I mean, they are powerful and pointy as hell. And you look at it and you go, all right, now how am I going to get you to come with me and not want to scratch my face out? You know, right. it's like, throw a pokeball at it. Yeah. You got to throw a hit yeah, with a pokeball. It's, it's, it's an adrenaline rush, you know, when you come up to a bird like that and you, and it, there's a process and how you have to handle them. And, it's like breaking you, a horse. Sounds you know, like that. people have talked about that too. And people have mentioned that to me and like horse breaking and people even talk about like a dog breaking dogs. Yeah. It, it can't be any further from, um, from that description because really? it's more of a, when you, when you have a hawk, you can't change the hawk. So even if it even if it becomes trained, it, it doesn't change. It just learns. So, yeah. so this hawk is hardwired in it, it wants to kill, it wants to protect itself, and it wants to mate. And that's pretty much it. Sounds like, like me. Yeah, it sounds about right. It, I mean, hey, throw a dip in, drink a beer, and where's my wife at? Right. That's right. <laughs> you know? So you know, so when you get this hawk, you know, you have to get it to trust you to the point where, you know, for the first three days, maybe two, three, sometimes a day, but a lot of times two, three days, all you're trying to do is to get it to sit on your fist and take food from your hand. That's it. That's all you're trying to do. And it will stare at you wings wide, 
mouth open. You could put food in its mouth and it still stays like that. (laughs) And then eventually they realize, wow, you're not going to kill me. So I trust you're not going to kill me, kind of, sort of. Then they're like, well, you're not going to kill me and I'm hungry, so I'll eat. And then you take it the next step and it's, okay, step up onto my fist to eat. And then it's hop to my fist to eat. Then it's fly to my fist. Then it's let's go outside, fly to my fist. Once you get it flying to you for food and it trusts you and it knows I don't like you, but you're kind of like a perch and your food or, or you can give me food. Once you get it to that point, you take it out in the woods and do the same exact thing. You put it up in a tree and you get it to come to you and you try to flush game for it at that point. So the so idea cool. is if you can get it at that, that point where it trusts you, it's come to you for food. If you can also flush game at the same time, it clicks in their brain. Okay, this bipedal monkey looking ugly human is not going to eat me. It gives me food. It doesn't allow me to die. And it kicks up game for me. I'll stick around and I'll follow it. So then the next time you go out, you can start walking through the woods and that bird will start to follow you through the woods, hoping you kick up more game. Cool. I want and one. That is How do coolest. I buy a Peregrine Falcon? <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah. need it to How be trained because this all sounds kind of scary. <laughs> I'm kind of scared of the bird, too. It's going to need to be a great, with, you know, I'm just going to be like, oh, shit. You know, put my arm out, protect my eyes. You don't even like bats. Dude, it, they're intimidating, you know. I mean, when they're pissed, I mean, I've definitely had birds hit me. And yeah. When I say hit me, I'm not I'm not talking about with a fist. I'm talking about with talons <sighs> in the face, in the head. And definitely my hands, I've got scars on my hands, things like that. They, I mean, they're, they're a wild animal. You don't tame them at all, you know, but, but they understand a, like a communal partnership, especially with a dog. It's nuts. I've got a Jack Russell Terrier. His name's Fisher and he's a, just a little murderer. I mean, he'll, <laughs> he'll murder a chicken. Shut up, Fisher! Jack if Russell he sees a can chicken be, uh... within a hundred yards, he's going to murder it, right? Yeah. But a hawk, he'll sit next to a hawk and want to move away from it because he knows that they've, they've got daggers, you know. But the hawk will follow the dog when he sees the dog kind of get, you know, people say birdie with bird dogs, but he gets squirrely or rabbity, I guess. Sure. I don't know. Yeah. But yep. when, I got when, yep. when he's on a scent, the hawk knows it, and the hawk will, get, will fly into a tree right over top of him because he knows something's coming out. He knows it. If he hears that dog bark or growl or anything, the hawk is over top of him ready to go because he knows something's going to flush. That's sweet. So it's, you could just send it, him it, out. If you could get, you could just send your, your two buddies out, just kind of sit back, let them hunt. And, you know, I feel like they could just kind of do it without you. You, once you get both animals trained to a certain point, yeah, it, it could potentially be sort of boring. <laughs> um, I know mean, it sounds crazy, but there are people who will have like three or four mini Dotsons yep. with like with like a cup a hawk or two, and they'll put their Dotsons out in a field that's got tons of rabbits and just let them go and sit back, and the hawks just follow the dogs and they go kill and they go walk over to. I That'd mean, be a sight that, to they, see, wouldn't it? That would be awesome. 
They call that old man hawking because it's, it's it's for the older folks, you know. Old man hawking. For, for I thought like don't look that up in Urban Dictionary. No. I don't know what that what that would refer <laughs> old to. Old man hawking. Yeah, you, you don't want to yeah, look it up. Don't there may know. be some other definitions to old man hawking <laughs> that I don't want to know. About. <laughs> no, so so yeah, you have, yeah. Go ahead. No, my, I guess my question is, you know, you you mentioned red tail hawks. Is is there something about them that attracted you to them, or is it their avail- availability? Because there's a lot of them. See, he's got yinglings. He got yinglings. He got yingling. Is, he, is that what he's they thinking? Don't, they don't sell a lot of yingling up here. Oh man, you got to get with the program up there. They, I know. We, we're Beer City. Grand Rapids is Beer City, USA. I mean, we, we you guys get do have a lot of good beer. Yeah. We do. You got great beers up there, but yinglings, man, that's the way to go. That's a go-to. Hey, and you know the yingling black and tan. Good stuff. That is. That's a money maker it's right a there. It's, not, it's a good one. It is good. It's a good one. Oh, Sorry, I interrupted. For, for red tails, um, so it's just like it's just like any type of hunting or fishing. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna really want to be a trout fisherman if you live in the Outer Banks of North Carolina. Sure. Right. So I pick a red tail hawk because I've got rabbits and squirrels around me that I can hunt. Now there are there is waterfowl definitely, but I've got to drive an hour, two hours for really good waterfowl hunting. That's when I would use maybe a falcon or a goshawk. Uh, but around me, I mean, I can I can walk out my backyard and go hunt rabbits and squirrels. So that's the easiest thing for me to do. So that's why I pick a red tail because they're I mean they're perfect for the, those two types of game. Yeah. So they so they out they go out. They'll you flush the game. Say so you you flush a, a squirrel. They'll grab it and bring it to you, or how do you get it to come back with it? So they don't bring it back. And if you think about it, a, a rabbit, a good-sized rabbit might weigh, like, I don't know, four or five pounds, and a, a, a big hawk might weigh three pounds. Right. So there's no way. I mean, they can't carry any more than a third of their weight. That'd be, like, the absolute max. Okay. So whenever you hear people saying, like, oh, a hawk carried off some foo-foo's dog, six pound dog a three pound hawk is not carrying off a mm-hmm. five pound dog mm-hmm. she's not doing it you know might kill it <laughs> right yeah <laughs> but exactly not carrying it off right so so what they'll do is they'll go down and they'll kill it especially on rabbits you hear the squeal once oh, you hear yeah, the squeal that's you a, know that's a bad i don't like that noise it's game over yeah. right and it's a quick squeal because they know especially a good hawk will grab them by the head and their talons are they're powerful enough and sharp enough that they pierce the brain and they can either that or they in the organs. I mean, they, they, they can finish off an animal pretty quickly. Oh, surprisingly. Sweet, um, awesome. So, so they'll grab the animal to grab the prey item. And then I will go over and I will very carefully, very slowly. I, I don't even like really make eye contact with the Hawk. I don't want to give it any indication that I'm trying to steal the game away from them or hurt them at all even though they know me kind of sort of i want to give them every opportunity to we call it breaking in where they actually start to they pull fur they pull feathers or whatever and they start to get into the meat and they start to get a little bit of food they start to eat a little bit yeah so they know okay i'm allowing them to do that and i'm not taking it from them so once they're comfortable and this is a process this sure. is not like 10 seconds i mean this could be this could be 10 minutes. Okay. You know, I'm sitting right. there waiting. I'm patient. I'm trying to get my dog not to run in and grab the hawk, or <laughs> grab the squirrel or the rabbit. You know, it's like a little bit, little bit, uh, 
tenuous at times, but you know, I get, I get the dog secured and I calm everything down and I let the Hawk break in and then I'll slide in, get close and I'll hook in. So I'll, I'll, I'll tether in, I'll clip in to the Hawk's jesses or to its equipment. So, so it's then secured. So if something happened, if a dog came running in from a neighbor and scared the Hawk, it wouldn't just fly off and be spooked. I would have control of it. Sure. So I, I get control of the Hawk. I let it eat a little bit, calm it down, let everything cool, cool down. And then I will trade it off. So it's actually a, literally a trading process where I offer it something to eat and it leaves the kill to get what I'm giving it. And then like any terrible, terrible magician with a little sleight of hand, hawks are not super smart. So as long as you beat their vision, you win. So as long as their eyes are off of their kill and they've gotten onto your fist or onto the game, onto the, to the, you know, piece of meat or whatever that that you're offering them, you can hide that other, their game and slip it into your bag, into your game vest or, or whatever, or just even put something over top of it. And once they can't see it anymore, it doesn't exist in their mind because they're eating again. So they, they think, almost that they're continuing their eating process. And as long as they get a full crop and they're satisfied, they could give two shit. They, you know, it's just like in the wild, they can't eat an entire rabbit. So they would leave it eventually. And maybe they'd come back to it the next day or hours later, but eventually they'd leave it. So you're trying to emulate that a bit. Sure. So you're, you're just trying to trade them all. So are you, you, are you just, so that for the most part, like a rabbit or whatever, it's the meat's all good. I mean, it doesn't seem like you're really messing anything up. So you, so then I'm coupling this with the fact that you hunt deer year round. I would imagine you eat a lot of wild game in a year. Yeah. I mean, pretty much most of our meat is in in my family. I mean, I I typically eat about six deer a year um, and then any anything else like turkeys or, or waterfowl, or if we go down South and shoot hogs or anything like that, we'll eat that too. And then um, with the Hawks, what I'll do is if I have a really good year, I will, I'll kind of bank like six, eight, maybe 10 squirrels or four to six rabbits and cook them, you know, do gravy, Mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that. Uh, But a lot of times, We've got a lot of meat, so a, a lot of times the food that the hawks are bringing in feeds them back. That's kind of cool. Yeah, you know. So, you know, and I, I sometimes, you know, no, I don't. I was almost going to say I feel bad, but no, I don't at all. I don't at all feel bad for you know when when they kill a couple squirrels, four or five squirrels, or or a couple rabbits, and then I've got a fry that I can do, and I can I can make food. I don't feel bad about that. Yeah. I, mean, I could. Like I also buy quail for them to eat and like yeah. mice and like all these other things. So believe me, by the time they leave me and I've released them back into the wild in the spring, they've got full vet care. They've had a winter of just nonstop hunting, nonstop killing. They've been fed. They don't go, they don't go hungry at all. Like most wild raptors do. So when they get out in the wild in the spring, they're like, man, that was the easiest winter you Wait, could possibly have. You know? I didn't catch this. I thought you had, you don't have them long-term. These aren't long-term hawks. Some people do. Okay. So some people you will don't keep a hawk for 20 years. Okay. You know, um, it's, it's a, 
it depends on the locality and, and the, the laws in a certain area. And it also depends on the person, you know, some people. All right. So there are a couple different types of falconers out there. There are some who are more like, um, they're more like a pet keeper yeah. and they, they look at the birds. Like they just really just love the birds and they think the birds are so pretty. So I'm just going to do what they do and follow them along and just, you know, more like a, and there's nothing against folks like this by any means, but like a zoo type keeper, like they just want to, they want to experience the essence of a raptor, right? Hippie, dirty hippies. No, I'm just kidding. Well, I mean, we're, (laughs) yes. Right. Um, I'm a hunter and the guy that I learned falconry from was a hunter. And I look at a hawk as a piece of a part of the team, just yeah. like a dog yeah. would be, or just sure. like I am. You know, so at the end of the year, when hunting season, when falconry season's over with, and I've done it, I've I've intermewed hawks. So when you keep them over a, a period of time, over a year, it's called intermewing. And I've intermewed birds before, and I just during the summertime when I'm just feeding them and holding them, I'm like, we're we're not. You could be out flying and go mating or you know killing shit on your own i can't hunt with you right now it's, it just doesn't appeal to me personally so i like to hunt with them during that period of time make sure they're in tip-top shape when they're ready to fly out in the spring and then i let them go and then then i can continue deer because i still hunt in the summertime for right. deer you know so i'm still hunting this whole time for deer and any fishing or any you know uh vacations and stuff like that with my family so you know, and it, it, it's a huge time commitment. So if I can just let them go, you know, and let them do their thing, and then I catch another one in the fall, that's ideal for me and my personal lifestyle. That's pretty sweet. That's for so, sure. I want to get into I'm guessing are some, haw- some hawks you've bred more. Do you, like, do you get sad? Like, do you get attached to these really good hawks that you have? Is it weird to give um, them away? Back to the wild? Not, you know, it's funny. Pe- people ask me that question a lot. And it, there's there isn't an emotional attachment and for me i don't know if i'm a sociopath or yeah, whatever maybe. but no, i think it's more of like i understand that they do not give a shit about me at all right you know in fact in fact when we get to the end of the season season's over with and i decide okay time's up i'm done hunting for the year whether you know a lot of times when the, when the rabbits start um having babies squirrels start having babies I'm I'm done for the year because I don't want to mess up the game population. Sure, you know I'm, I'm there to hunt. I'm not there to massacre, you know, you know all all the small games. So I, I call it quits at a certain point. And what I do with the hawk is that I start feeding it, and I won't even let the hawk see the food come from me. Oh, like I've rewilding it in its muse. So you know it a, a trap door basically falls open and it gets fed. So to a certain point for a good month. And I don't interact with that hawk at all for that month. I make sure it's got water. I make sure it's got food. I go and look at it. I go and check it and make sure that it's safe, make sure that it's healthy. Other than that, I leave it alone for a good month. By the end of that month, that hawk, if I walk into its muse, it's like, oh no, hell no. F you. It, it will, I could hold up a, 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 open a rabbit up completely and hold it out to it. It's like, no, nah, no, nah, that's not for me, dog. 
I was you picturing you being like, get out of here. Remember that movie uh, with the guy with the Sasquatch? He's like, get out of here. Shoot. You know, he, he brings him in and sends him out to the wild. Like he just, Sasquatch? Yeah. yeah what's the, it's like an 80s movie. Oh, I don't know. E.T. No. no. Harry and the Hendersons? Harry and the Hendersons. Yes. Remember at the end, he's like, get out of here. You, you know. And he kind of like. You furry him. bastard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. And then I picture you know the hog coming back and just sitting outside his window at night with one claw on the window. And just real sad. <laughs> with it raining. Yeah, Come exactly. Back, <laughs> you know? Oh, that's you awesome. know, they're, yeah. they're totally the opposite of that. I mean, once they're like, once you break that um, trust with them, they're done. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can rebuild it. But. It's a rebuilding process. And it's a lot quicker than the first time. But if I'm if I'm releasing them, I don't want them to actually come back to a human. And I definitely don't want them to fly into someone else's neighborhood, see a dude with a beard who looks like me, and fly down to that guy and be like, "Hey, give me some food. I've got talons." You know, <laughs> yeah. that's that's a bad thing. Yeah, you, you know? don't want you don't want to see that. You would hate to. No, see and that. that's that's one of the reasons that um, you need to go through. Uh, the training process and have a sponsor to really teach you falconry because some people will go and get a young bird like my side of the mountain you know uh, uh, sam ribley the the main character pulled a a peregrine falcon out of the nest mm-hmm. and that was an is falcon so that was a an immature did hadn't didn't even have its feathers yet so that bird imprinted on him mm-hmm like it would imprint on its mother and kind of an imprint on it's supposed to imprint on its own kind once a bird especially birds imprint on uh, a human you can never release them back into the wild because if they got into a stressful situation in their life out in the wild where they didn't catch game and they needed food but they knew that a human especially a human that they thought was their parent could give them food they may go down at that you got them for life then yeah you do you have them for life an imprinted bird and uh any really any imprinted bird or any chamber raised any captive bred bird um if if you buy them or you pull them out of the wild they're yours for life now you can transfer them to other falconers or maybe an education program or wildlife program something like that but once you do it it's a lifelong commitment and they can live for 20 years, 30 years. Yeah, you don't – see, I, you don't really want that to happen mm. unless you're committed to the bird. I mean, the same happens where, with werewolves. Uh, you've seen the Twilight series. When you imprint <laughs> – you never seen the Twilight. You, you know what? I did. I, I just – so I was um, – Wow. I was camping, Here we go. In, was camping in Washington, and I keep seeing these signs everywhere for, like, Twilight stuff. I'm like, what the heck? I had never seen it. This was the summer. It turns out. Let me go a, ask my daughters what Twilight is. Right? Yeah, I was gonna say they'll know Forks is where I was staying, and Forks is where the show or the movies happen. So I'm like, Laura, it's vacation. We're watching these. I'll say this: they're the worst movies. They're the worst <laughs> movies. I've, I, I'm not. I went in just like I'm just gonna give it a shot. You know, who knows? Maybe I was wrong about it. No, I was right. It was it was awful. And but I watched them all. <laughs> on that note, <laughs> on that note, we're up on time. Actually, that's a good call, uh, Billy. Um, I first of all, I appreciate you coming on. We really uh, gonna end it on Twilight? Yeah, I, that's a that's a strong note. I feel like we um, had a good show and we got to end it on Twilight. Yeah, well, I think that's strong for some of the listeners. Uh, are, are you more of a werewolf or a vampire then? Oh, uh, here we go. Wait, are you saying am I a Jacob or a what's the other guy's name? Oh, geez, he even knows their names. Uh, oh, Edward, God. Edward or a Jacob? Are you saying? I, yeah, I'm. Uh, 
I can't say. I don't want to divide our, our viewers. Dude, I'm, I'm going to be a werewolf. I'm going werewolf. Yeah, that's fair. I feel like they're cooler. Kind of Draculas are kind of, I don't know. Anyways, I don't know. werewolf pride, baby. Yeah, really? Yeah, 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 I'll be a werewolf. I think I'm werewolf. One, hey, werewolf. One, uh, one pack, you know? Mm. You know <laughs> <laughs> Stop. Anyways, no more Twilight. Billy, uh, you want to bef- thank you for coming on, but you want to tell people where they can follow along on some of the things that you're doing, yes. uh, urban hunting and some the podcast stuff you're doing and, and everything else? Yeah, man, absolutely. So uh, first off, we're leaving tomorrow. Um all the guys from Tethered, well, a couple of the guys from Tethered are coming down to uh, my dad's Sycadier property on the eastern shore of Maryland. And we're going to spend four or five days down there uh, hunting Sycadier. So cross my fingers. I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, we have some good luck down there because we're getting into the rut. Uh, we should definitely hear some screaming. So hopefully you guys see some uh, some videos on the Tethered channel with me and Taylor Chamberlain um greg godfrey um jared we, we should have a good time on that so Sweet. check that out um also check out hunt urban whether it's on youtube or on um instagram um we've got a podcast also the hang and hunt podcast that's taylor chamberlain and i the urban bowman mm-hmm. and me um and uh, that's where you can check us out and you can follow me on instagram at underscore william phillips underscore um and yeah come hit me up with a message and uh let me know what you guys think if you got any questions about falconry go ahead and shoot me a message uh whether it's on any of those platforms i mean i see them all so you know hit me up that's awesome we really appreciate you coming on man yeah thanks we'll talk to you soon it it, knows it was awesome talking to you guys i mean it was it's fun i i love talking to people who actually have a good camaraderie and and also like a back and forth you guys are conversationalists and you can chat so yeah, appreciate it. I can't wait to have another beer with you guys. I mean, I had, I didn't finish this one. That's a big one, but. Yeah. Well, I mean, we just had some disappointing news about a hunt coming up. Yeah. So we've got What's that? Going. But... Well, we're not, we were supposed to be going to an island to hunt uh, in uh, Michigan here, but we're having trouble with getting filming permits on wilderness area land because it's potentially for commercial use. So, uh, uh, that's, uh, so yeah, we're. Might uh, have something different. Yeah, anyway, for everybody, for we've talked about this hunt a lot for the listeners. Uh, we'll yeah, see what yeah. we can I, do. I, I heard you guys talking about that. You might have to go with a nonprofit route. Do do something like a fundraiser for it. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's it's uh, all the proceeds go to, you know, something really. Me. Something yeah. special. Oh, yeah, the, the human fund. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They'll go to the falconry fund. That's a, right. A free a free fund. falcon. That's right. You get a falcon. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Thank you so all much. Right. Hey, guys, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. I, I really, really enjoyed talking to you guys tonight. And uh, to all your listeners, hey, thank you very much for listening. Very Talk good. to you soon. Thanks. thanks. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode. We really do appreciate it. If you want to go on to any kind of social media platform, give us a like, share, subscribe. You know, it really help us out. Keeps the train rolling. And if you guys really like what you're listening here, give us a five-star Either star way, if, even if you don't like it. Even if you don't like review. it. Five stars. That'd helps cool. everyone out. We'll see you out there.